The problem with all diseases is that it's rooted with inflammation. And we know that inflammation shows up as cytokines. What the cytokines do is they create stress to the cell. What's the cause of that? And you know, toxins and infections are almost always at the cause of that. These toxins, they settle in the cell membranes. And this is where all of our hormones are being interpreted. It's really where melatonin shines, is it helps us to be more resilient and adaptable to stress at the mitochondrial level. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Friends, I am so excited about today's episode. It is pretty mind-blowing. Today's topic is one of those things that I thought I knew about, and then I read more and realized how I had no idea what all was going on with this compound. When you hear melatonin, if you're like me, you probably think sleep hormone, and it probably ends there. Well, it does not end there. Dr. John Laurent's book is almost overwhelming in all of the information it has about melatonin. Who knew this miracle molecule could do so many things? On top of that, he's just into all the things that I and you guys are into, all the biohacking stuff. I really, really enjoyed today's conversation and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Also, Dr. Laurence is so, so kind. So you can actually get a free PDF download of his book, Melatonin Miracle Molecule. It's an early version of it, so it doesn't have all of the chapters and the full complete version, but you can get that one to start for free, as well as 5% off any of his products. Yes, all of that. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash melatonin book and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon. And again, you can also use the coupon code Melanie Avalon for 5% off of any of his products. I am so, so grateful for that. So thank you, Dr. Laurence, so much for that. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash melatonin. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post at the top of the group to enter to win something I love. And then you can also check out my Instagram. Also find the announcement post there. And again, comment something from this episode to enter to win something I love. Not that many people take me up on this, so you have a good, good chance of winning. And the prize, by the way, is often full-sized beauty counter products, which is amazing. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. 
Okay, friends, Spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal Spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that Spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking Spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, They are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or algae, and I really experience the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, It may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque. It can help alleviate pain and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys If you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash guide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. 
that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity. If you are using conventional skincare makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up and just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin so you can truly feel good about what you put on and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally, completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Dr. John Laurence. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. So little backstory on this conversation. I'm trying to remember the order of events of how this happened, but all around the same time, I heard an episode actually on Ben Greenfield's podcast with a Dr. John Laurence about all things melatonin. And Not only was it fascinating and did I get a ton of questions from listeners about it and a ton of requests to bring Dr. John onto the show, but around the same time, our assistant for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast was actually working with Dr. Laurence and offered to introduce me and connect us. So it was just absolutely beautiful and perfect timing. And we did a call. We got to know each other, (laughs) instantly connected on all the things. There's so many things to talk about. Dr. Laurent sent me his new book, which is called Melatonin, The Miracle Molecule. And 
it was so funny because I I got the book and I was like, okay, this is a long book. Like how, how is he going to talk about melatonin for this long? And oh my goodness, it honestly just blew my mind. I realized I had such a finite view and interpretation and awareness of what melatonin does in our bodies. Friends, it's not just sleep. Sleep is just a, like a small part of everything that it's doing in us. So there's so many things we could talk about. I'm sure we'll go on many tangents and rabbit holes, but Dr. Laurence, thank you so much for being here. Melanie, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast and I'm excited to be here. I am as well. And so a lot of my listeners probably are familiar with you because like I said, I've been getting so many requests to have you on the show. But for those who are not familiar, you have quite a resume. You have so many so many letters. You are an ND, a DC, RMA, BS, DABCN, chiropractic neurologist, and naturopath. That is a lot of things, a lot of certifications and credibility. And that, I mean, it really shows through in your work. The nuance and the intelligence was just absolutely incredible. But for listeners not familiar with you, could you tell them a little bit about your personal story? We have a lot of overlap in some of the chronic health conditions and non-chronic, just things that we've experienced. But what led you to where you are today? And especially what led you to your fascination with melatonin? Oh, well, okay. My favorite subject. My dad was a Marine. And so initially I was a Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. My mom was in utero and then my first two years of life was spent on that base, and it was the worst water contamination in U.S. history. So, you know, I had a lot of health issues as a child, asthma and a lot of chronic fatigue. I was eventually put into special education classes for ADD and hyperactivity. And, you know, growing up in Hawaii, they didn't really have like the normal class. And then, you know, it was either you were like really with some kids that had some serious problems or you were like in normal. And so unfortunately for second grade through sixth grade, that's the class that I was in. And it was, you know, it was really challenging. I look back and I do talk about this in my book a bit in the section when, when we get into melatonin for children and autism. And it, kind of was healthy for me to write that chapter because I was able to kind of air some of the challenges I had and how I could connect with, you know, if I had the ability to go back in time or my parents had, you know, some of the knowledge that we have today, how much better my life could have been, you know, and I always look at things like, you know, my good friend, Dr. Dan Pompa talks about pain to purpose. And, you know, I don't regret anything because everything that led me to this point was really a stressor. And we're going to talk a lot about stressors because that's really where melatonin shines is it helps us to be more resilient and adaptable to stress at the mitochondrial level. You know, then I had Lyme disease really severely searching and searching for many years for answers and was supposed to be the doctor that had all the answers, right? I mean, even back then I had a practice where people were traveling in and I kept losing weight and just the amount of inflammation and pain I had in my body was just incredible. So eventually I had to literally close my practice. It was right in the, the middle of 2008 where we had the economic collapse. And so, you know, everything kind of crashed down on me. I lost everything and had to rebuild at that point. And 
you know, again, another pain to purpose because I was able to figure out not just Lyme disease and mold illness, but really what led me to the path of what all diseases have in common, which is the fact that at the core, it's either infections or toxicity, but typically it's both. And so what happens is, and this is where we can kind of get into melatonin and talk about how melatonin plays a role in this, but the problem with all diseases is that it's rooted with inflammation. And we know that inflammation shows up as cytokines. And so what the cytokines do is they create stress to the cell and they make an energy shift in the, in the cell. Particularly it goes from, and anybody that studied biology knows Krebs cycle. This is something that we all have to learn in biology and it's in the mitochondria where this is a small little vesicle, like, you know, and there's many, many hundreds of thousands of them in each cell. And they convert oxygen and glucose into something called ATP, which is the energy currency of the cell. So when we look at that system, we want to think how efficient it is where we take one glucose molecule and we make the maximum amount of ATP, which is 38. And as we get older, things like NAD can be rate limiting, right? Things can clog that system so that we don't efficiently make energy. We don't make as many ATP, but also we may start to produce pollution out of that mitochondria, which is called oxidation. So the way I think about it is like an older car and the older the car is, the more it starts to be less, be less efficient at burning gas. So if you were to have the ability to clean up all the cars in this town, we would have a lot less pollution. And so that's really the goal of a lot of the treatment plans that I have is to basically clean up all those old cars so there's less pollution and there's more efficient energy production. And the two organ systems in the body that are really most critical for this is the heart and the brain because they're the most metabolically sensitive. And what I mean by that is that if there's a slight decrease in the amount of energy, then it's going to show up larger in the brain and the, in the heart versus other organ systems in the body because they, they demand so much energy. So stressors lead to cytokines and inflammation. Cytokines are inflammatory markers in the body, and there's a variety of different types of them. But once they start to kind of clog up the cell, the cell goes from this Krebs cycle and it switches to something called aerobic glycolysis. And aerobic glycolysis is a very inefficient way of making energy. Otto Warburg was the one that really discovered this. And he was a German, extremely brilliant German physician who won the Nobel Prize. Listen to this. He won the Nobel Prize for discovering that basically how cancer works, because that's what happens with cancer is it switches to this aerobic glycolysis, also called fermentation. And so he was able to start to understand how using different oxygen therapies were helpful. So Hitler did not let him accept the Nobel Prize, though. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. Well, I was going to say I didn't know Hitler had influence on that, but I, I guess so. Yeah. Well, he was a bad boy. Anyway, so auto, they call it the Warburg effect. It, it's referenced in the literature all the time as the Warburg effect. 
And you know what, what strikes me though, is there's such a massive aha moment back then where people really fully understood the nature of cancer. And there's been no effort to really explore that outside of natural medicine. Like we do ozone therapy here and we do intravenous ozone, something I call rejuvenox, but there's also a 10 pass hyperbaric ozone. Have any of your speakers delved into this stuff at all? I had on Dr. Jason Fung for The Cancer Code. That book blew my mind. And he was talking about how like one of the biggest epiphanies in the cancer literature was how they used to think that cancer was like being forced to do aerobic glycolysis. Like it was its only option, but really it's choosing to and that it could be doing other things. And because basically the implications are that for cancer, like that's the way that it can just, you know, really quickly make energy. And like, it doesn't, it's like the most fast and efficient thing for it. And so I was wondering, like in general with aerobic glycolysis and inflammation, do the cells start doing that out of, is it because the system is breaking and that's all they can do? Or is it a conscious decision, like in the face of inflammation, that that's just the easiest way to make energy? Like, why does the body switch to that under inflammation? Well, the way I understand it is that if you look at disease, it starts out with a disruption in energy, right? And this is, you know, you look at acupuncture and you look at the meridians through the body and they, they have, you know, the chi goes through the body. So at the very beginning, there's an energy disruption. And then you'll start to have some chemistry that changes. And then over time, you know, that chemistry is there long enough, you can have some cellular changes. And then from there, those cellular changes can lead to an organ situation and then could be systemic. But then at a cellular level, cancer is the last stage of this spectrum. So if any system in our body stressed for long enough and you know, yes, I would, I would definitely be on the, the bandwagon to say that the cytokines and the inflammation are the primary stressor, but underneath that, what's the cause of that? And, you know, toxins and infections are almost always at the cause of that. Now, sometimes people have certain genetic situations going on where they have poor detox pathways. And therefore, if you're not cleaning things out, right, you're either a swamp or a river. I always say. So things could be swampy because there's not a good drainage system, as well as if you're producing too many toxins or you're exposed to toxins, right? So it can kind of be either way. Are there genetic tests that people can take to know if they are good or bad detoxers? Or are there a lot of potential genetic pathways? So I will admittedly say that I feel like I've got some work to do in the genetic. I haven't been so quick to jump on the bandwagon yet because I don't know that that's, I don't know if that's how I want to practice medicine. You know, there's still some questions I have about it and its veracity and validity. You know, quite frankly, I feel like the approach that we have here is really doing some pretty amazing things. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't really speak to that. I'm sure there's some other people that could really start rattling all, all off a number of different genes. One of, the, one of the big ones a lot of people look at is the methyl tetrahydrofolate detox pathway. So a lot of people can't convert folate to act active folate, MTRF gene. And so that's a huge 
part of keeping a healthy brain. And, and that does play into some detox pathways. I'll put a link in the show notes. I had Dr. Ben Lynch on, who's like the gene guy. What I actually really liked about what he said, and it, and it really echoes what you just said, because when you read his book, Dirty Genes, like he goes really deep into all the different genes. But basically his conclusion is that you, like you don't even have to know what genes might be dirty for you because the solution is, you know, pretty much the same <laughs> as far as like, you know, all the, all these mechanisms and things that support the body, you know, things that you've mentioned and I'm sure we'll, we'll go more into. So, I mean, I think that's really inspiring, you know, that, that maybe you don't have to know the, the actual genes that might be the actual cause if the pathway out might be really similar. Well, it's such a new area and there's so many clinicians that are so heavily jumping in feet first and that's their entire world and practices. It's all, okay, we're going to run your 23andMe and then I'm going to plug you into this thing and basically I'm going to manage your entire healthcare based on this, this chart. And to me, that just doesn't make sense. I feel very similar. I think people can get really in their heads and even if we do have that information, like, do we really know that what we're doing is affecting it? But on the flip side, so that's really granular with your book, coming back to melatonin, it does seem like something that can massively affect a lot of things. I love this conversation because I've been thinking about inflammation for years and it haunts me. And I am convinced that because I see a therapist and I'll go to the therapist and she'll be like, Melanie, like not everything is inflammation. Like you need to lose this idea. And I'm like, but it is <laughs> with everything. Um, so it's just, it's just really funny. As far as melatonin's role in inflammation, because in your book, you talk about what you just discussed about how the energy potential of the mitochondria changes in the state of disease and inflammation and how melatonin is involved in that. So what role is it playing? Ah, good question. So melatonin is the master stress resilient resiliency substance. I, that's why I call it the miracle molecule because it's just, it's, it's so integrally involved in so many different aspects of our health. And so if you look at the consequence of inflammation and how it has such a dramatic shift it's literally like the difference between if you had a hundred logs of coal to burn to make energy, and then all of a sudden now you only have 10. And that's literally what happens. And so like, let's give like the current, you know, COVID virus, we know that the risk of this virus with regards to death is such that we have a runaway inflammation we call the cytokine storm. And what's really happening there is that it's that switch from the Krebs cycle to aerobic glycolysis that really starves out the immune cells. And so then you, you, you lose your, your troops. You, know, you have all these troops that are stepping up to fight this infection, and then all of a sudden they're just all wiped out. You know, 90% of them are wiped out, and that's what gets people on the ventilators and, and on. So if that, and, and melatonin, by the way, is something that you can see a lot of different research has been done, even with COVID, and it's very promising. And even they, they recently announced a study that showed that taking 40 milligrams of melatonin could even decrease the potential of contracting 
the virus by 54%, which is really amazing. So it helps, it helps to settle down the cytokine storm with any inf- infection. In fact, that if you look, there's, there's some really cool studies that they did with deadly viral infections. And one in particular, they had these animal models and they gave, and this encephalitis virus would, it was just completely deadly, right? And the, it would just literally obliterate the, the vascular structures. When you look at it under a microscope, it's like they're just completely obliterated. And in the study, they actually show the image of this before with and without melatonin. But the survival literally went from 6% to like 90 something percent with melatonin, with this animal model. And most of the research that they've done with protection from infections has been just as amazing. And that's because it's buffering that stressor, which is that cytokine, so that it it prevents that switch to aerobic glycolysis. And the way that it does that is that in the mitochondria, the cytokine is basically this stressor that leads to like higher oxidation. And so that oxidation needs to be buffered. And so every one of your mitochondria actually makes its own melatonin to basically buffer that oxygen. It's like primary antioxidant in the body made in the mitochondria. And so what they found is that you can give exogenous melatonin and it can turn that back on if it's been turned off from these heavy, you know, cytokine or inflammatory episodes. So with the melatonin in the cell, I want to get a broad picture because I think when people think of melatonin, the first thing they think is that it's, you know, regulating sleep. So is there different purposes and types of melatonin? Like, is there melatonin in the cell that's working with like what you just mentioned with the the metabolic system? Like, is that different from melatonin that regulates our sleep? Is that different from melatonin in the bloodstream? When we take endogenous melatonin, does it literally enter the cells or where is all the melatonin and does it have different purposes based on where it is? So melatonin is melatonin is melatonin. You know, the molecule is the same, whether it's found in nature or if it's made synthetically. Most of all the research that I reference in my book is all synthetic melatonin given to, you know, and there is a company trying to promote a natural melatonin, like one that's a plant derived. And they're, they've got this kind of narrative that, you know, it's better, it's healthier. And I, and I was a little bit interested in that. And I went to Russell Ryder, who is the foremost authority on melatonin. He literally, listen to this. This guy was the first scientist in the late 60s to actually discover that the pineal was more than just a worthless gland. And so he's a real pioneer and he's really dedicated his life to studying melatonin. So I, I, I went to him and I asked him this question and he had a number of questions for this company and the company never even answered the questions because they couldn't, because there's no way to really test after they source it, you know, and, and his answer was just like what I told you is like melatonin is melatonin is melatonin. It's not going to matter, you know, where it comes from because you have the same chemistry bonds and, you know, hydrogens and oxygens and so forth. So with melatonin, if melatonin is always the same and it, it doesn't matter, you know, melatonin is melatonin is melatonin, like you said, but when we take in melatonin exogenously, for example, 
what determines where the melatonin goes? Like what determines if it goes to the cells or if it affects our sleep cycle or if it's in the bloodstream? Because people, you know, will take melatonin. What determines what happens to that melatonin? Well, okay. So let's start out with kind of the basics on it. Most of what's available on the market is oral, like it's a pill. And the research shows that it's only two and a half percent absorbed because it has to be acted on by enzymes, you know, from all the way from the mouth into the stomach and digestive, you know, acid. And then it has to go through the liver uh, for what's called first pass, which breaks a lot of it down as well. So what we have, and I found successful in our practice, is a suppository, one called Sandman, and also a liposomal version of Sandman. And so the liposomal is using phosphatidylcholine, which is very similar to your cell membrane, so it can kind of cross into the bloodstream very readily. And then suppositories are really an interesting application. I, I find them to be incredibly helpful. The absorbability is, is really amazing and it's slow. So it's a slower release over a longer period of time. So the best way to wrap your head around this is to realize that there's something called peak plasma, which means if I take, say like a CoQ10 in a pill, then that CoQ10 is probably going to have like a one, maybe an hour and a half where it's peaking in my blood and that's the window that my cells can then go and say, hey, I'm going to pull that CoQ10 into the cell. Once that peak plasma is done, then there's none left. So the cell can't bring any into the cell. So it kind of has this window of opportunity to pull whatever amount of CoQ10 it can pull in during that period of time. And the cells have a slow rate, right? So they, it would be better if you had that same amount of CoQ10, but you had it released over, say, hours and hours you're going to get a lot more cellular nutrient. And so with regards to melatonin, it crosses the blood-brain barrier. It'll go throughout all the cells of your body. With the suppository, if you have a, like a slow bleed, which is up to five to seven hours, first of all, it's great for sleep because naturally we produce melatonin all night. But on top of that, the absorption at the cellular level is going to be fantastic. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Anna Becca, and that is just a few of them. 
I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. So what is the normal daily, nightly rhythm look like for melatonin production Like, do we produce any during the day? Is it just at night? Why do we stop producing it? What role does light and dark play? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so blue light in particular suppresses melatonin release, right? So during the day, we build and, and we build up our melatonin levels depending on light being shined in our eyes. So that goes through something called the suprachiasmic nucleus, which is you know, kind of through those nerves that go back towards your pineal gland from your eyes. And so the pineal builds up melatonin and it's stored. And then the, the uh, black basically triggers it to be released. So in darkness. So this is where you start getting into the conversation of light pollution and how our cell phones and TVs and computers might actually be messing up our circadian rhythm. And this is, can be quite catastrophic because, you know, sleep is more important than nutrition. When we start messing around with our sleep schedules, we can have some very catastrophic consequences to our health. Yeah. It was so funny when I was reading your book, you have pictures and you describe your, your house and your lighting situation. Literally that's my apartment. Like, (laughs) like at, at night, I, Occasionally, I see what my apartment looks like from the outside, and it, it, I mean, it's very shocking. Like, it just looks like red light district. It's all red light only. I wear the glasses. I have a EMF blocking canopy, like you have. I stopped using it though because I read that if it wasn't like set up correctly, that it could actually be making things worse. So, I've had it on like the to do list to make sure I set it up right. Are you on the ground floor? Your bedroom? No, I'm on the third floor. Do you have the canopy grounded? I have my my bed grounded. Because I was reading that like it needed to be, like you had to create a complete box like with the, the floor. You know who would totally know this answer is Luke Story. And Luke Story, good friend of mine, he also does a lot of podcasting. He actually did a whole program on this whole subject. And so I will find out I will get that information to you and we can put that in the show notes. Oh, awesome. Yay. Yeah, it's funny. I was using it for quite a few months and then I read that and I was like, oh no. (laughs) I was like, okay, I got to figure out the details here. But going back to everything that you were saying, so I'm trying to get clarity about all of this in my head. So when the, the light affecting our melatonin production and the melatonin being in our bodies, so if we're not producing melatonin, during the day, is it still active in our cells, the cellular melatonin that you were talking about? Yes. Yes, it is. Right. So now we're talking about, so melatonin being released 
in the brain is having a specific action on a neural neurological network of 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 nuclei and you know that is regulating our circadian rhythm and this this rhythm is really hardwired to our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system so you look at melatonin as the primary activator and supporter of the parasympathetic nervous system which is our resting and digesting and then you have cortisol and serotonin that are really more kind of running the show to get us up in the morning and they're also linked to our stress response which is our sympathetic nervous system have you done much with heart rate variability or have have we have you talked about it much on your show Oh, yes. I've had Harpreet, CEO of Aura, on twice, and I'm obsessed with my Aura ring. I love talking heart rate variability. You have an Aura ring, right? I do. Yeah. And, you know, so this was something that was really fascinating to me when I look at the graph on heart rate variability and how drastically it goes down as we age. And I literally put the same graph of melatonin and they look identical. And, you know, I really was wanting to understand heart rate variability more because, you know, I knew about it and it's like, I didn't really take a heavy dive into it. And when I really delved into it, it was really interesting to see that. So this is what I I found is that your heart is is being controlled by this fight or flight versus the resting and digesting side of your nervous system. So the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic. And what happens is, each of them are going to kind of jump in and that's what creates the variability in the heart. So we know that we have a healthy system when there's a balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And what happens to us as we get older, and I think just in general, like there's enough stressors that are too much that the body can't adapt. And so what happens when we lose our ability to adapt then we have a stress response that kicks in, which is going to upregulate this sympathetic response, right? And if we don't have a strong enough parasympathetic nervous system to kind of equal that, then we start to get into trouble where, you know, we start having high blood pressure, we start having degenerative neurologic disease, we start being more susceptible to infection. I mean, all the different things that you really don't want to happen to you. So what melatonin does it's the primary supporter to the parasympathetic nervous system so and it makes sense when you think about it like when you go to sleep like that's when your body really goes into this restorative regenerative relaxing and we lose that ability to have that deep 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 stimuli to the parasympathetic nervous system and that regenerative good night sleep and so when we start looking at melatonin, which we really start, we, we, we're doing some much higher doses than what you would typically hear. So we're dosing people up into the hundreds of milligrams. Okay. So this is a huge, huge, huge paradigm shift. I feel like a lot of people think melatonin is the hormone that makes you sleepy and helps you sleep. And, you know, so the benefits are coming from sleep, which we get a ton of benefits from sleep. And then that's kind of like the entirety of what people think of when they think melatonin. But it sounds like instead, melatonin, I mean, if it's our master stress hormone in a way, like you just talked about, I mean, 
That is huge. So it sounds like instead, you know, melatonin is this master hormone affecting stress in all of our cells and all of our bodies. And one of its roles is that in concentrated form, you know, the way it affects our neurological system, it instigates sleep. And so that's like one timeline of melatonin, like one pathway, but really there's really there's so much more. Well, there's a couple of points I want to just kind of bring up is one is when when you ponder just the fact that it's buffering inflammation and all stressors are going to lead to inflammation, right? So it's it's basically buffering all stressors, but it also supports this parasympathetic nervous system that's the opposite polar of the stress of like, you know, whenever there's a stressor in the body, you have this activation of the sympathetics. And so having it on both sides there, it, it just really starts to get a lot clearer for me, at least when I think about it. And I'm just thinking more, and I, I know I keep asking about this as far as the, you know, I was asking about exogenous melatonin and, and where it goes. And the reason I'm trying to get clarity is, so it sounds like the melatonin in the cells is constantly, you know, doing all of this, having these effects, affecting our parasympathetic system, affecting our energy production, affecting all these things. But if we take it, is there a way to get it directly into the cells without it first going into the bloodstream and telling our brain that it's nighttime and messing with that aspect of things? Well, you know, it's a great question. There's not really a need to do that because if you have, actually, we dose a lot of our patients during the day. One of the, the people that was instrumental in me really taking a really hard look at using, starting to use melatonin in high doses here in the clinic which then led to, you know, formulating the Sandman was Frank Schallenberger, right? And he was literally one of the first functional medicine doctors, you know, practicing way back in the 80s, you know, and then he brought ozone to to the country to the US from Germany. But, you know, I was able to do an internship with him and he was dosing people, you know, with a couple hundred milligrams and he would have some people he would dose during the day and the night and you know, most of those patients were neurological cases and or cancer. And so, you know, I'd asked him that question. And what he said was that if there's light, then there's no sleepiness with the melatonin. So that's how we're kind of wired. So we can have melatonin and not get sleepy. And then when, the, when it, you go into darkness, then the melatonin really kicks in. Is it the, um, the SCN that's interpreting that? So like if, if the suprachiasmatic nucleus is seeing light at the same time that it's registering melatonin, then, then we don't get sleepy. It turns off the melatonin. So it doesn't act on to act, to act, to send that cascade of events that leads to sleep. Like there's some very specific chemistry that happens with, with sleep. Right. And so that doesn't, that whole cascade doesn't get triggered until you're in darkness. And then the melatonin is released from the pineal. Okay. Which on the flip side really speaks to how damaging light will be to our circadian rhythm if it just stops that whole process. Well, not only that, like, did, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating is that Wi-Fi or microcurrents from Wi-Fi literally go right through the skull and they trick the pineal into thinking that it's daytime. And so they, they have a number of studies where they've shown that these wavelengths cause cancer. 
And so when you, you know, I've got a whole chapter on cancer in the book. If you go to download the book right now, we have it in a PDF and the cancer chapter is not in there yet. I'm finishing up cancer. I've got a really good chapter on cannabis and melatonin and sleep and a chapter on pineal and liver. So those will be released in the final Amazon version, but there's still a ton of chapters and a ton of good stuff. And you know what I'd be willing to do, Melanie, is I will be willing to do a free book giveaway to all of your listeners. Oh, wow. That'd be amazing. That's how much I want to get this out into the world. So the way that the book is structured is the first chapter is like an introductory. The second chapter really is talking about stress in general. And then each chapter kind of like I have a chapter of skin, I have a chapter on liver and a chapter on cancer and infection and mitochondria and gut and hormones and sex hormones we talk about and mental emotional conditions. And so you can you can read the first couple chapters and then go to whatever chapter interests you as far as maybe a health issue that you're dealing with and then you can better understand how melatonin could work for you and also it's highly referenced. So all the chapters have a lot of references of, from studies. So what we're talking about in the book is not it's not like opinion. I mean it's like hard facts. I honestly was shocked about the amount of literature that there is. And even since then, just perusing Google Scholar and looking up all the melatonin studies, I feel like melatonin really needs a rebranding because honestly, I'm shocked about how people aren't really talking about this at all. Like at least the general public, like they really just think about it for sleep and are not even aware of all of this, all of the stuff that's happening. And, you know, I don't know why that that is, but one big reason is, you know, pharmaceutical companies have have been trying to patent melatonin for many years and they, they, they change it a little bit, right? But it's not melatonin. And Russell Ryder talks about this quite a bit, but God owns the patent to melatonin, but you change it just a slight bit and it just doesn't do the same thing. You know, it has to be that exact structure to do all the magic. And so if melatonin was patentable, or even if like a supplement company like this one that I was telling you about that has this narrative that they have some sort of sophisticated melatonin and that all you need is just one or two milligrams of it and it does all these magical things, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it it doesn't really match to the science at all. And even some of the studies that they did on it were flawed. So you have to also take in the whole idea that if we're taking melatonin for something more than sleep, like let's say we want a great gut, right? I mean, I'm sure you've talked at length in some of your podcasts about having a really healthy gut. So if we just look at that, gut melatonin is 400 times higher than brain. And so literally your gut lining releases melatonin and it's released in a circadian rhythm, just like it is in your brain. And it's the primary activator to something called microbiome swarming. So if you could imagine all of these bacteria, these probiotics that we take in your gut, they're basically, if the stronger the signal for melatonin the stronger that you're going to have a robust growth and proliferation of these amazing, you know, bacteria. 
And the melatonin also suppresses the bad bacteria. It's really amazing that way. So that that's, you know, that's one reason to start thinking about melatonin beyond just, you know, how's your sleep doing with like a few milligrams, because some people might actually have an improvement of their sleep with a few milligrams. You know, we, we have people that have tried melatonin and not been successful, but when we had them take it with like a, say a suppository or liposomal and start going with higher doses. I mean, the reports I'm getting back, Melanie, are unbelievable, especially for people that really do like two or three months in a row and just stay with it. I mean, it, for me personally, it's been transformational. So we've been talking about the melatonin in the cells, the melatonin in the brain and sleep. So the, the rhythm of the melatonin in the gut, you know, 400 times the receptors and the gut microbiome, is that timeline aligning with our melatonin sleep-wake cycle or is it its own rhythm, kind of like our cells? It's, it's on the exact same cycle. Yeah, so when, you, when you're in sleep, that's when your, your, your gut's repairing itself along with all of those bacteria. Okay. And this is something that, and I talked about this and talked about your book on the intermittent fasting podcast, because we often get so many questions about eating late or, you know, early versus late eating and something you talked about in the book. Well, first of all, you talked about the role of the gut and how the melatonin actually reduces HCL, I believe. And so sounds like if you have high melatonin in your gut and HCL down, that wouldn't be the best time to be digesting. And then on top of that, this blew my mind that the pancreas has melatonin receptors and that there is potentially an inverse relationship between insulin and melatonin. Could you elaborate on that? The reason I was so excited to read that was because I am haunted. I tell you, haunted by late versus early eating because I personally do really well eating at night, or I perceive that I do. But all the studies that I see tend to say hormonally that it's better to eat earlier. But then I wonder if a lot of the in-practice studies, like are they accounting for people who are just eating later versus not earlier? But it's very hard to argue against the pancreas having melatonin receptors and the implications of that with insulin regulation and eating. (laughs) So I said a lot there. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, it's a great conversation. So melatonin there's, so the receptors in the pancreas are called the MT1 and MT2. And basically what happens is it shuts down your production of insulin. And so when you're mel- when you go to sleep and you have all this melatonin come in, then if you were to say like, eat a bunch of carbs before you go to bed, you know, cause sugar is actually really dangerous. So sugar is corrosive. We don't want a lot of sugar floating around our bloodstream. It's bad, bad news. You know, you start to get these glycated end products. And so these, this is what causes like cataracts, right? And you get these in your tissues and it makes your tissues not as elastic. I mean, it's a big negative part of aging. And basically those, those sugars basically get highly oxidized in your tissues and it just gets really, really mucky. So we don't want a lot of extra sugar and that's why a good insulin response to put, to store it is, is really healthy. So we don't want to eat carbohydrates late because of that. And that's why people might actually wake up not feeling as good. You may have more inflammation if you have too many carbs late at night. 
I'm so happy that you said that because I don't know if you specifically, because you talked about the pancreas and just eating in general at night, but then I was thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe if you are eating at night, lower carb would require less insulin. It's not competing. Like the insulin is not being, you know, quote, turned off by high melatonin. So maybe it sounds like if you are eating later, maybe lower carb is a better route to go. Well, overall, you know, it seems that you want to have about three hours before you go to sleep, ideally, you know, before you eat anything, you know, you want to be fasting a bit so that there's none of, there's none of the digestion pressures on your system, you know, so that your, your body can basically focus on healing and repairing and in that all the different magical things that happen while you're sleeping. Do you know if there are different melatonin circadian rhythms based on your chronotype? Like if you're an, a late night person or an early bird? Oh yeah. No, I, I can speak to this. So this is what I understand is that people talking, oh, I'm a night owl, I'm a wolf or whatever. What I understand is that it's very rare. It's only 10% of the population, right? But these people have a tendency to caffeinate themselves they, they stay busy. So they create a lifestyle that puts them in, it alters their circadian rhythm so that they're just in that situation and that it's not really truly best for their, their, their archetype. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As 
for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm-direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just gotta upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Interesting. I, I'm always curious to hear because I I always self-identified as an insomniac. <laughs> my whole life. Although I will say like, I'm really good now with my sleep because I've gone to such great lengths to combat that kind of the opposite of what you were just saying. Like, instead of like, you know, doing all the caffeine and all the stuff, I just, I do all the things to like support the sleep. So I feel sort of okay about where I am right now, but I definitely feel like I'm that type that is like the insomniatic type. So what time do you go to bed? Like two 30, the latest, that'd be the latest. Wow. And what time do you wake up? 11. 11. Okay. All right. Well. And every time I try to try to go to bed earlier, I still want to sleep later. And even if I get up early, I will still get that second win late at night. Like I'm just a night person. What are you? Yeah. I go to bed at like 8.30 or 9. Like I feel like I'm such like a I'm so, I'm like, I'm old and I'm, oh my gosh, whatever. But I wake up at three, sometimes four in the morning. Oh my gosh. You wake up when I go to bed. <laughs> I know. Right. But I, that time is so peaceful and, you know, I'll usually meditate for an hour or two and then, you know, I get so much done. Me too. It's just at the end of my day instead of the beginning. <laughs> but you know what you could try, Melanie, is you could try taking the high dose of melatonin at like say nine o'clock and you will definitely be able to go to bed at 10, you know, like if you did like say Sandman and it'll totally reset everything for you. So when you take that melatonin and that's why, that's why I came up with this travel hacker kit, right? It's becoming hugely popular for a lot of business people or even people just traveling for vacation. One of the things that I do before COVID is I would, I grew up in Hawaii and my dad and sister still live out there. So I would travel from Florida to Hawaii like two, three times a year. And when I would go out there, I would just be trashed. And it was so hard to get adapted to that five-hour change. And so I kind of decided to like really hack travel. And so what I did was I took a 300 milligram CBD suppository before I got on the plane. And then I redosed that kind of halfway through. And what I found is that all the stressors that really seem to really create a lot of inflammation in my body from the plane, which I think is like the, the radiation, but also the air quality, which is a bit better now, 
and just the overall stress of going in and out of the airport and so forth. But I, I would arrive feeling so much fresher. And I also will use NAD during the, the trip as well. And then when I get, when I got to Hawaii, I would do like even much higher than 200 milligrams. I would even do like four or 500 milligrams at the bedtime that it would be in Hawaii. And literally I wake up at what's normally time to wake up and I go surfing and I am like right in the mix of things. And so I put together this travel hacker kit and the, the reports I'm getting back from everybody are unbelievable. Like I was telling you my buddy Luke's story, he went and did a trip to visit some family up in Indiana and he just couldn't believe how fresh he was when he, when he got to his destination. That is incredible. And well, listeners, definitely check out the show notes. Again, they will be at melanieavalon.com slash melatonin. I'll put links to everything because I know listeners are definitely going to want to jump on that. That's really amazing. What is the half-life of melatonin when you're taking it that way? So, you know, when you're taking it to fall asleep and in, in these higher doses, how long does it last in the body? Are there side effects? The half-life is an hour to hour and a half. For which form? Any form. So if you were to take a pill, it's, it's all going to go into your st- bloodstream pretty quickly. And then you've got that half-life. If you do a suppository or a liposomal, but more so the suppository is going to be a slower release, then it's a trickle. So it's releasing into your bloodstream. And then once it's released, it then has its own half-life. Okay. So there's like the initial, like how long does it take to show up in the bloodstream and then there's the half-life from there. Right. So think about it like the absorption and then the utilization. When people see melatonin supplements, you know, at the store that are advertised for sleep, what's the typical dosage on those? So listeners get an idea of just what you're talking about with these larger dosings. Well, typically it's like sometimes you'll see a one milligram, five milligram, you know, 10, you might be able to find a 20, but I don't know that there's really anything at health food stores above that. So what we're, what we're talking about is super physiological dosing. So some of the questions that I normally get asked about that are, isn't that dangerous? And could it possibly shut down your own production? So like the fear that people might have is, okay, I'm going to take all this melatonin for a certain amount of time. And then if I stop taking it, I'm going to be like left with no melatonin at all because it's going to cause a disruption in my brain's production. So what's really interesting about melatonin, Melanie, is that there's no negative feedback loop on melatonin. Like for instance, estrogen or testosterone, if you take it exogenously, like if you take it with cream or an injection, your body's going to say, oh, I, I have that. I, I can stop producing so you have this what's called receptor site downregulation, right? That doesn't happen with melatonin at all. And I know this firsthand because I've gone months and months taking, you know, very high doses of melatonin. And if I stop taking it, I'm fine. It's not like I can't sleep. You know, I actually get a pretty decent night's sleep. The other thing is there's no toxicity level of melatonin. And when you, when you look through the book, Melatonin Miracle Molecule, what, what you're going to really find throughout the entire book and all the studies is that the scientists concluded that there's no negative effects to the melatonin. It's totally safe. 
And they've done studies to see if there is a toxic level, which would be equivalent to giving an average size adult 150,000 milligrams of melatonin. And they basically stopped the study because they just basically concluded that there's probably no toxic level to it. That is so crazy. And I will say, honestly, so I was reading your book and you kept saying that. And I was like, really? Because everybody has this idea in their head that I mean, I think most people think that there is some sort of side effects or a tolerance. So I was like, I'm going to find the study that show. And I, so I was Googling and I, I, I couldn't find any, like I, I couldn't, it was everything that you just said. That was really shocking to me because there's definitely this pervasive, you know, vibe out there about it. You know, I, I almost think there's like a, there's an effort to keep melatonin suppressed. I really do. And I'll tell you one thing that really shocks me is when you look melatonin up, and you look at it like on, say, WebMD, which is really just the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> they're just, they're feeding you exactly what they want you to see, right? I mean, there's massive censorship. But if you look up melatonin, you look at the side effects of melatonin, you'll see like headache and malaise and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you look at this list of side effects, right? And if you really dig down and look at the study that that was based on, it's the exact same side effects that the placebo arm had. So how misleading is that? That's really, really misleading. That's really frustrating too. And then on the flip side, I mean, you noted some studies that honestly are like very shocking. Things like comparing them to, you know, anxiety meds pre-surgery or comparing them to, you know, benzodiazepines or just the effectiveness is crazy. Isn't melatonin and vitamin D, aren't those the only hormones that aren't regulated? You know, like we can buy them over the counter. I wonder why. I know I've seen progesterone, you know, there's probably a few sets, but yeah. You know, one fact that really is amazing to me, we're kind of talking about like prescriptions and, and such is blood pressure medication. And you know, if you read that, that chapter on cardiovascular and how melatonin can drastically improve the lipids, but also it lowers your blood pressure naturally. And so if you look at the graph of melatonin and that, you know, as you age, it drops off, naturally you're losing that kind of parasympathetic aspect to keep the blood pressure down. And then you get that back on board, it, it will actually lower the blood pressure but what really kind of gets me is that all blood pressure medications, every one of them has been shown in research to suppress melatonin production. So here we have, you know, all these, you know, I don't know, probably millions of people on blood pressure medications, but how many of those people do you think their doctors actually said, well, you ought to also take melatonin because this drug is going to suppress your melatonin? I've never heard it. But that's really how it should be prescribed. Actually, I think what should happen is that melatonin should be prescribed first because that may actually fix the problem, you know, and then if that doesn't work, but again, melatonin doesn't, if, if you could, if you could patent melatonin as a blood pressure medication, it would be all over the TV. I wonder if there were pharmaceutical companies like in the future, if it might become a thing where they're going to actually, you know, take melatonin off the shelves and turn it into a drug. Well, they did that in, in Europe. You have to get a prescription for melatonin. Do they prescribe it for all of these different things or really just for sleep still? Do you know? You know, I, I have not seen 
anybody in, in, in fact, we have so much interest with, you know, Mitozen and, and a number of the products that we're, that we're, you know, producing there. We've got some partners we're talking to, to, to start, you know, launching in Europe because they're really hungry for this technology of super physiological melatonin dosing. You know, again, it's really restricted there because they can't even buy it at a drugstore like we can here. Yeah. It's so interesting how different things in different countries, like I know St. John's wort is a drug there, but then something like metformin you can get, but you can't get metformin here. It's just, it's really interesting. Going back though to the suppository. So I don't know if this will be surprising to listeners. I'm all about like the colonics and the enemas and like, I can do all that fine. actually really enjoy it, but I, I've actually never done a suppository. So for people who are a little bit, they feel like there's a barrier there. Like, have you found with your patients that most patients can adapt to doing suppositories? Well, I think at first blush, people kind of find it, you know, like, oh, I, you know, either I wouldn't do that or, oh, that's kind of interesting. Right. But, you know, it's, it's really such a, a no big deal. You know, the suppository is made of an organic palm oil. And so it's like kind of self-lubricated and it's shaped in a way that, you know, you don't really have to like put your finger anywhere. I mean, it just kind of slips up there and then it, it turns into an oil pretty quickly. So you don't even feel that it's there. So it literally takes like two seconds, but like, I bet you a lot of your listeners are familiar with NAD. Would that be correct? Oh yes. 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 Obsession. Imagine you could go to a clinic and you could pay a thousand dollars or more for an NAD infusion, an IV. It is so expensive. I've been looking at getting it here. It is so expensive. Exactly. Right. But you also have to sit there for five hours and you have this, it's uncomfortable. And be nauseous, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So we have NAD Max. And it's literally as much as what would be in an IV. And it might even be better because, you know, there's so much controversy in what's better, the NM, you know, nicotinamide mononucleotide or the nicotinamide riboside as a precursor, you know, does taking straight NAD really work to get the mitochondria back up and running? So what I did is I put together a suppository. It's the only suppository that I know of that's an NAD suppository, but it's got 500 milligrams of NAD. It's got 250 milligrams of NMN and 250 milligrams of uh, nicotinamide riboside. But there's one other really interesting thing nobody's talking about, which is that when you give NAD, you're also supporting the senescent cells, which are these zombie cells that are producing all this inflammation and all this oxidation. And as we get older or disease states, they accumulate. So doing things to clear out senescent cells, such as a fast triggering autophagy is clearly extending life from all the research. It's clearly reversing a lot of diseases. It's clearly giving people a more vital, healthy, robust life. And so it's something we should pay attention to. And we don't want to support these senescent cells with taking NAD every single day, which a lot of people that I know, they'll get like one of the precursors to NAD and that's part of their like daily vitamin, which I, when I first learned about it, I did as well. So especially when you're fasting or on fasting days, it's better not to take NAD 
So what we do is we actually have a program we call Fast Track Fast. And the NAD Max actually has a polyphenol called Fizetin. Have you ever heard of this one, Fizetin? Yes, strawberries. It is amazing. Have you seen the research on this? I've seen some of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a powerful synolytic. So we actually put that in the suppository. So when you take it, you're kind of suppressing the senescent cells a bit while you're providing NAD. But so the fast track fast is a really interesting protocol that that I've kind of formulated. And what we do is we have people load with NAD and for two, two or three days. And that what I think about there is you're kind of increasing the cellular energy leading into a fast, which is really a stressor, right? So if you can support your energy reserves going into a stressor, you can get more out of that stressor because you're leaning more into the hormetic zone. Then when we have people fast, which we can have people do two days where they do a 24-hour fast, basically just going lunch to lunch, and there's a product called Lucitol, which is a lot of physetin, something called sterile stillbean, green tea extract, curcumin, lutein, you know, so it's basically loaded with all of the polyphenols, resveratrol, all the polyphenols that are really shown to be senolytics. And so we're getting like a double whammy on the signaling for autophagy, clearing out senescent cells, but also mitophagy. Have you guys talked about mitophagy on the show much? I have. That's with the mitochondria? Yes. All right. So that's basically where your body clears out all the old, weak, and dysfunctional mitochondria. Yeah. So there's some really interesting things that you can do to like even have a stronger influence on that, which is to do ozone. Like let's say you're fasting, whether it's a 24-hour fast or a three-day fast, that's a great time to actually go in and get an ozone IV. Or if you have ozone at home, you can do like rectal insufflations because ozone is the most powerful activator to mitophagy. And what's on the other side of that is mitochondrial biogenesis. With activating mitophagy, is the ozone activating something that activates mitophagy or is ozone just wiping out the mitochondria? It works on something called PGC1-alpha. I think I'm getting that right. PGC1-alpha. So it's a gene pathway that basically is a energy regulating pathway. And so the way I wrap my head around it is like this. Imagine that you have a bunch of mitochondria that are misbehaving and they're taking oxygen and glucose and they're very inefficiently producing a bunch of oxidation. So high oxidation is a trigger for the body to recognize that maybe that we need to clean up some mitochondria and build new fresh, fresh ones, right? So what ozone is, is it's like this pulse of this massive amount of oxidation and it, it's a, it wakes the system up. And so it wakes up your, your antioxidant buffer pathways. And one of those is this mitophagy and mitochondrial biogenesis. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Sort of how hormetic stressors work. It's, it's totally hormetic. Absolutely. It seems like really extreme hormesis. <laughs> like you just mentioned, it's the toxicant level of it. Sounds like the name of my next book, Extreme Hormesis. Extreme Hormesis. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, l listen, 
some people might listen to some of the strategies that we do. I know you're kind of in the same boat. You've changed some things at your house for your sleep, yada, yada, yada. Point being is that we were not designed to handle all of the stressors being thrown at us right now. So you have to do things to counter that. And that's where the conversation of melatonin is just so amazing because in today's age, if you really want to be your more robust, you have to be able to resist all of these stressors. You know, one of the things that was the most amazing thing that I really realized with melatonin is, and if you read my skin chapter, you'll actually see they've done studies where it, taking melatonin prevents skin burns, but I don't burn anymore. You know, I go out into the sun, I can literally do no sunscreen and I can be out in the sun on a hot day all day long and I will just brown. And not too long ago, I had a patient, we had a patient from Boston come down and redhead, very fair, right? And he came down, we did bone marrow stem cells for arthritis he was having in his hip. And so I put him on high dose melatonin to support him through the therapy and the treatment and to assist him to get the best results with that treatment. And he went fishing the day before and spent the, the day out in the, fit, the boat and he didn't bring his sunscreen and nobody had any. And he came in and he's brown. And he was so shocked because he said that's, he's never experienced anything like that before. So if you think about UV rays coming in and hitting the skin, that's oxidation, that's stress. And the skin being able to buffer that stress and not burn is what melatonin's providing to it. So it's an outward, something that you can physically see, and it's very tangible of what, how melatonin's helping protect my cells on my skin. But I know that that's happening in my brain and in my heart, my pancreas, my gut. Every, every organ and tissue in my body is getting that same type of support. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits. The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the US is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives, dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. That is an incredible two thoughts about it. One is with the sun, because I've been thinking, I've been curious for a while about the role of 
polyunsaturated fat levels and like our omega-3-6 levels and its role in sunburn. So basically like what fats are cellular membranes of our skin are made of. And when they're more inflammatory, I feel like that is more conducive to sunburn. But either way, the melatonin, if it's serving as the anti-inflammatory, it would be addressing that. Well, it is though, because it's inflammation is triggering the cytokines. And so, you know, when you look at when remember in the beginning of the podcast, I had mentioned that I was able to figure out what was at the core of all diseases through my process. And what I discovered is that these toxins, they settle in the cell membranes. And this is where all of your hormones have to interact and and message the cell in that, you know, you know, basically life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And this is where all the environmental influences are are being interpreted. All of our hormones are being interpreted. All the heavy metals wind up in the cell membrane. All of the fat-soluble toxins, which are the ones that get you in trouble, not necessarily the water-soluble ones, but the fat-soluble ones, they get caught up in both your cell membranes, but they also get caught up in the gut. And so they, they recycle over and over again through your, your bile. So often when we first start working with patients here at Advanced Rejuvenation, what we'll do is we'll, we'll do binders. And we've got very specific ways that we have people kind of mop up a lot of these fat-soluble toxins in the gut. But then we also have a protocol that I call cell membrane rejuvenation. You know, it's like a refresh situation. So basically, we want to flush out all of the odd fats and the long chain fatty acids, very long chain fatty acids, all of the bad stuff. So you really have to really be careful about all of these cooked vegetable oils because that's where they go. They go in the cell membrane. The heavy metals, that's where they go in the cell membranes. Pesticides, all these chemicals. And then biotoxins. So if we have infections, the toxins from the infections, if we have chronic Epstein-Barr, CMV, HHV6, Lyme disease, you name it, these infections produce mold. And this is the reason that mold gets us in trouble so much is it's biotoxin illness because the cell membranes get so toxic that the patients become hyperinflammatory and it shuts down mitochondrial function. I'm on the exact same page about the cell membranes. I just think they're one of the most important aspects in everything. So it really sounds like with melatonin, because it seems like most things that we would take to support our health, quote, supplement-wise, that there's a point of diminishing returns or toxicity, or even with NR and NMN, you were talking about you know the role of it supporting senescent cells. But it sounds like with melatonin, I don't, I don't know. It's like the way to go. Like It sounds like the worst thing that might happen is you might be you know, a little bit groggy the next day? Well, some pointers is that some people are slow metabolizers. So if someone's a little bit too groggy in the morning, first of all, I would say it's possible you might be detoxing. We didn't really get into it, but melatonin actually can clear up heavy metals and detox them out of the brain. So sometimes people have a few days where they just will feel groggy because their body is detoxing. Other times it might be better to dose like right around dinner time you know, two or three hours before bedtime, because then by the time you wake up, it's had enough time to kind of clear out the system. We've had some success doing that. So I would say if people are having a challenge with it, it's likely that they just need to keep taking it for a few days until they get over that hump and or try dosing it a little earlier in the day or in the evening. Okay. Gotcha. 
Well, for listeners, definitely, definitely get melatonin, the miracle molecule. Although Dr. Laurent said we will be, I guess we'll have the information in the show notes for how listeners can download that book, which thank you. That is so incredible. I can't wait for them to read. Why don't we make up a coupon code right now? How about you just use Avalon and you'll get a free PDF. Now, keep in mind, we're going to be releasing the hard copy on Amazon probably in a couple of months. So you can get the PDF version and, you know, it's, there's a lot of great stuff there, but there'll be a few extra chapters that'll be in the final book. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I will put links to all of that in the show notes, also links to all of the products that we discussed. There will also be a full transcript in the show notes, but this has been absolutely amazing. I just can't thank you enough for all that you're doing and all of your work. And it's perfect because the last question that I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is surrounding everything. So what is something that you're grateful for? Oh, you know, I tell you, one of the meditations that I do in the morning, you know, I actually was at Rhonda Byrne's house just like last week. You know, she wrote the book, The Secret, and they came out with the movie, The Secret. She's a very close friend of mine. Can I just say really quick, that book is the reason I have this show now. Like I read that book and I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) So that's incredible. She must be amazing. You know, I, I, we went to dinner. She lives up in Monticello, Monticello in California, like Santa Barbara area. And like, she's down the road from Oprah. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So it was just her, her and I for dinner. And then we, you know, her family was at the house who I got to meet quite a few of them. And then we, we spent the next day, you know, at this other hotel slash restaurant on the beach. And the conversations were off the chart. I mean, I, I wish I had a recorder going because I have a YouTube channel, Cellular Reset. And so I had her as an interview there. But I feel like even in the last year, you know, I've become so much more conscious because I've been really working on, you know, I, I attended a Joe Dispenza seminar and I've just been really working on understanding consciousness. We work with some psychedelic medicines here at the clinic, uh, specifically ketamine and, you know, some different, you know, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, I think is the next, you know, the, the next big thing. I think it, it is really going to be transformational and disruptive to not just psychology and people dealing with like depression and PTSD and, and anxiety, but I think even people that are fairly healthy, you know, they have a great life, but the betterment, you know, of, of people. So, I pray and I go into this just deep state of gratitude for my life and this deep gratitude for everything that I have. And then from there, I'm grateful for what I want. And, and even saying that, it's kind of like, you know, because the way to pray is really not to petition. You're not petitioning, God, I want, I want, I want. In fact, when Yeshua wrote the original Aramaic scripture, you know, that wasn't the way he described it. it is, it's basically a deep state of gratitude for what you've already received. And this is really the message Rhonda has, has brought to the world in a big way. But originally it was Jesus that, that brought that, but it was just misinterpreted through the Bible. 
That is so beautiful. I think that might have been my, I've asked this like over a hundred times and I don't want to play favorites, but that was absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Laurence. This has been amazing. The work that you're doing is having profound effects on so many people. I can't wait for listeners to read the book. You were so kind. You sent me some of your supplements. So now I am like going to go try them. I'm really, <laughs> really excited. Um, so I'll share with listeners how that goes. But thank you. And hopefully we can connect more in the future because this was absolutely incredible. Oh, my pleasure, Melanie. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Okay, you too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.